You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I am Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. Very grateful to have Taylor here as he's powering through. What a warrior, a battler. You'll hear his voice here in a second. But we do have TD back with us. Uh, we're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day, Drew Gooden from Kansas. That's right. We're going Big 12 today. Taylor and the theater goers. Uh, so I had to go with a player from the, the premier team of the Big 12. And that is Drew Gooden. Not necessarily a random hooper, a pretty solid basketball career, uh, as it were. Certainly a really good M- or, uh, college career. He was Big 12 player of the year. And then he had a nice career in the NBA as well. So Drew Gooden, he's your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CVB Theater to find out where the feat is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. Welcome back. Welcome in. It's a miracle I have you here today for two reasons. One, we were talking about before the playoffs started that if the Diamondbacks were to force a game four, you would be there. There is no game four because the Snakes absolutely swept the Dodgers. But in addition to that, you sound terrible, my friend. I am ill. I'm ill right now, but you know, Sue, the toughest teams survive. Uh, and that's what we know here in college basketball. So sometimes you just have to power through. Uh, you got to play hurt sometimes. So, um, yeah, I'm actually very happy that the D backs won for, for a number of reasons. One is that I'm not sure I would have been able to go to the game today, given my, uh, level of health right now. And so I apologize if I uh, cough during this episode, I'll try my best not to, but I have a big complaint, uh, about baseball. All right. And so, a well, first off, I'm so there, there's nothing better than as an Arizonian, an Arizonan, a Phoenician, um, when a local team beats an LA team, especially in this manner, because there's just nothing better than their soft little fanhood that they all have over there uh, on the West Coast, the actual West Coast. I think you would agree with me with that. Was that an accurate statement? It's it's funny seeing the Dodgers go down. So I was having a conversation with my friends and we were talking about the remaining teams left in the baseball postseason. And I was like, I'm pretty much good with the exception of the Dodgers. And this is when they were still alive. And uh, someone was like, well, what's wrong with the Dodgers? And I was like, oh, I just screw any L.A. team, really. 
So that's that's so I'm kind of with you in that respect. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm not an L.A. fan in of, of the city of really anything about of, about L.A. for a lot for a lot of different reasons. But um, isn't the narrative just kind of hilarious now that on uh, from the baseball pundits of the world that, oh, the scheduling's not fair. Like I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, it wasn't fair. Baseball, what's the number one thing everybody wants for baseball? If you're, a, if you're a franchise, you want rest for your big game pitchers. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants, oh, because all you hear for the playoffs, oh, are we going to have to pitch this guy on short rest, short rest? Oh, are we going to have to, you know, is, is our bullpen going to be ready to go? Are our arms fresh? All this type of stuff. And then now, Oh, so the Dodgers lose and the Braves are going to game five, uh, which starts here any minute. And oh, now, now the rules are unfair and and we need to change the scheduling. And it's like, okay, maybe don't lose to a team that won 84 games this year. Why all these teams with the highest payrolls in baseball are complaining about how somehow their talent is diminished because they had to take three whole goddamn days off. It, we're not talking about like weeks off here. Like I get that complaint in the NFL sometimes too, when it's like, okay, so the buy sometimes doesn't work out for a team that's rolling uh, in, in the NFL, but in baseball, don't give me that. You, you took three or four days off and now all of a sudden your hundred your 250, $350 million team just can't play baseball anymore. Cause you had to take three days off from real games. And it's not just go play games in your own stadium then. Nobody's preventing you from pitching and hitting during that time. So I, I think this whole narrative that has been created now where it's like, oh, all these good teams lost. It's only because uh, we got three days off. That just seems really dumb to me. So, But I am excited about uh, this other the series I just referenced, the Phillies and Braves uh, series like all the emotional stuff that's going on with that. Bryce Harper is like the coolest dude on the planet just mashing home runs left and right, kind of like the D-backs did uh, two nights ago. Four home runs in an inning. I, I literally, like, looked down. We were at a uh, we were at the Wandering Tortoise uh, there in Central Phoenix. Sub has been there mm-hmm. before. Great, great place. And I, and I read it, literally got up to get a beer, and I sat back down, and there were two guys watching the games, game in D-backs jerseys. And I looked at it, and we were kind of just saying, oh, yeah, cool, oh, yeah, whatever. And I looked down and I looked up and I and I was like, "What in the hell just happened?" Because I went like I went to order a beer and then I came back and and three home runs had been hit. So, um, so no, my my major complaint is just about people in general and how they're treating this. But uh, very excited for the D backs, loving this Braves Philly series. Um, and, I, and those are the two teams as we talked about last week that if I wanted to go to a playoff series. Um, for the NLCS uh, here in Phoenix. Those are the two teams that I would have wanted to see. I mean, I, we talked about this two weeks ago before we even got through the wild card round, I should say. But um, seeing either either of those two teams here locally will be a lot of fun. And I am certainly, um, while I was excited to go until I r- r- was That's reminded that, that it's, um, well, no, that the, NLCS is two three two. The cadence of the game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I will be in Sedona next weekend for uh, my brother in law's wedding uh, during the three games that would be played here in Phoenix. So uh, it's World Series or bust for me uh, as it relates to the D backs. Yeah, 
So it very well could happen. They've caught magic in a bottle sweeping. They haven't lost yet, which is pretty insane. But yeah, Taylor, I absolutely hate the discourse surrounding playoff series. Everyone loves upsets. Everyone loves uh, the underdog until it becomes a little bit too much. Until we start saying, well, wait a minute, the Orioles won 100 games. The, the, uh, the Dodgers won 100 games. The Braves are down in their series. They won 100 games. The Rays nearly won 100 games. Why are they losing? Enough of the rest nonsense, all right? Because if they were losing in this in similar fashion without having a week of rest or five days or whatever it is, you would be saying, well, it's not fair that they did all that work in the post in the regular season and they don't have the rest. Uh, they should have like five days off to recuperate after a long season. It's all very silly. It's all very stupid. But uh, yeah, that that inning, four solo home runs, Lance Lynn, off of Lance Lynn. I, I don't. I, I saw a tweet and it was really funny. It was like, did we just see? I forget who who of the four homered. I think it was the catcher. Uh, but it yeah, went Gabby, foul. Gab, Gabby Moreno. Yeah. So when he hit it foul, and then the very next pitch, pitch after a somewhat lengthy review, uh, went yard to left center. It was clearly fair. I think someone tweeted like, did we just see a ball don't lie type of. Play in baseball. I mean, was that one of the coolest things you've ever seen in baseball? I know people. Oh, it's hilarious. And I barely care about the D-backs. You know, I'm not going to masquerade like I'm some kind of lifelong diehard D-backs fan or anything. But I mean, that was awesome to just be like, oh, okay, because I wasn't watching it. I had it on from afar, so I couldn't see exactly if the ball was fair or foul. But apparently, there was some actually legitimate debate of whether it was fair or foul. And um, yeah, to come back the next pitch. it was was awesome. Um, you know, the only thing I think that's cooler that's happened in this playoffs is uh, Bryce Harper just sunning Highlight uh, Arcia so, there. Just like I mean, that's so I'm, I, I, again, I love the emotion of it. You know, yeah. I mean, you gotta love the emotion of it. No, I do, I do. And here's the thing: like again, another perfect example of a scenario where you don't have to pick a side. It's okay to actually be on both both sides of the fence here. So. First and foremost, I it's the playoffs. It's Bryce Harper. Bar- Bryce Harper is kind of a hardo, but he backs it up. He's an amazing, legendary player. He is worth the price of admission, but he is kind of a hardo. Let's let's all be serious here. He is that baseball player in your high school that wears a bunch of like fighting necklaces, and he's got like he he takes everything a little too seriously. It's like all right, man, relax. It's just baseball. But on the other and on the other side, it is the postseason. And no matter what is said or happened, I don't care if the Braves are like that should have been kept in house. Bryce Harper's going to use that good athletes use any sort of like a shred of inspiration to then blast a bunch of home runs. Not that Bryce Harper needed it anyway, but you gave it to him. And so I also think like Orlando Arcia did really think like, Hey, this is just going to be kept in house. I don't expect this to be broadcasted. To, to Bryce Harper. I don't expect it to get to him. And they were having fun also after Bryce Harper made what some consider a base running error in a dramatic win for the Braves. So I'm totally fine with both sides, right? And I think the players are cool with it too. Like Orlando Arcia is saying to himself, I, look, he, I can't control what he does. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, I did say it. Good for Arcia for saying yes. I, I said it. I just didn't expect it to get to Bryce Harper. And on the flip side, Bryce Harper's like, he was asked by Tom Verducci, I think, or, or Matt Weiner. He was basically just saying, yeah, it's fun. Like, this is this is what it is. Uh, this is baseball. So 
I don't think you necessarily, again, need to draw sand in the line and be like, Bryce Harper's being a jerk or Orlando Arcia. How could you have said this to get to him? It's like, just enjoy both, I suppose. That's, I, I don't know. Well, and I would even support if Bryce Harper, if people thought Bryce Harper was being a jerk, like I'd be cool with that. It, when you blast two home runs in the next game, like on the first two at bats, you're pretty much allowed to say and do pretty much whatever you want. I think at, the, at that point, you know, you need those type of guys in the playoffs um, just as a sport. You need those type of guys. Like, don't get me wrong. I, you, you love guys like, like Mike Trout and Shoei Itani and those goes, those guys are better than Bryce Harper, but you're never going to get like that type of emotion and stuff out of them. And so you need some of these guys that like, uh, or even like a, a big poppy, you know, someone for uh, that we uh, have supported our entire baseball lives. Right. Where it's like, Sure. Did Big Poppy, you know, most of those years he was batting like 270, 265, but his timely hitting and everything and the emotion he brought out was what was what made him so special. And it kind of same thing with Bryce Harper at this point um, that is it just me? I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Do home runs in Philadelphia just seem like a little cooler than everywhere else? Am I making that up? Probably because of their fans. And I've said that's what I'm saying. It just seems like the whole stadium just like lifts in the air. Right. Well, their fans are amazing. And I think any stadium for postseason baseball is amazing. And and it's part of the reason why I love postseason baseball more so than anything else. We're recording this about 45 minutes, an hour prior to the pivotal game four of Braves Phillies. And I cannot believe there are some folks out there that are gonna watch the 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 Chiefs absolutely boat race the Broncos for the millionth time. Now, again, I'm recording before that game happens. So if the Broncos somehow pull off a miracle, then it is what it is. But there is no way in hell I'm going to be tuned into that game, especially when we're on Amazon Prime and we can't toggle between channels. No, 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 no. I will be 100% on TBS. But as it relates to baseball atmospheres, right, the crack of the bat and the ensuing crowd pop, there's no sound better. There is no sound better. And so when Bryce Harper hits a towering shot to dead center or to break a deadlock to right, like he did yesterday, it's just it, the enormity of it all is so, so cool. Well, Sue, you're going to miss a hundred thousand Taylor Swift pans though. If you don't yeah, watch don't. the chiefs game. <laughs> good. Good. I <laughs> truly could not care. Uh, the arc is so funny how far the arc has gone down the other side of the, uh, from the peak on that already. But um, yeah. I can't wait. To, maybe we'll see the refs throw another game for the chiefs. Like they did uh, last, uh, last Monday or whenever that was Sunday night, whenever the hell that was, that Get was used uh, to it, man. Get yeah, used no to doubt. It. This, is, this is what it is, but you know what? It's funny. We're in, we're, we're talking about uh, Missouri, which is right next to, it's pretty much, Big 12 country, although, you know, SEC, Missouri is now SEC country. The border. The border. Yeah. We're basically there. All right. So we got the Big 12 to chat about today, Taylor. How great is that? Good We're, segue. Good segue. Thank you. Thank you. I actually came up with that right here uh, on the spot. Before we get into, though, so coach of the year, player of the year, champs, all that stuff, uh, some news out of the Big 12. Just first of all, actually, an insane amount of transfers that are going to be super impactful. We we were talking about the SEC. Man, the Big 12, I was looking at it, Taylor. In my estimation, uh, I think they're of the top 10 players in this conference, like eight are transfers. I think only two, uh, again, in my humble opinion, the best players, I think only two uh, have played with their team 
the previous season. But also, real quick, hey, Bill Self, the Teflon Don, baby. Uh, nothing coming of the AI, IARP. Taylor, I, I want you to take a moment and bask in this glory with me as we take our victory lap, considering we said this FBI probe back in 2017, which was supposed to raise hell and completely shatter everything, uh, did not. It really didn't. Outside of, let's say, Sean Miller getting dismissed from Arizona, which you could argue was also a result of just poor play, uh, which probably came as a result of not having scholarships, but they stunk by the end of Sean Miller's tenure. And then um, Oklahoma State no longer, uh, or the postseason ban for Oklahoma State, and then Rick Pitino getting dismissed from Louisville. I mean, at the end of the day, Rick Pitino and Sean Miller are back in power conferences, and I guess, yeah, that's tough noogies for Oklahoma State, but nothing really happened out of this, and we told you that six years ago. Well, my dis my disappointment with it is still Arizona's outcome of it all. Bill Self, 100%. Let me make this very clear. Bill Self did 100% did way worse things than all of these other coaches and essentially admitted to it like and has text messages and emails and stuff from his actual phone number and like email addresses that said this is what happened and just gets nothing out of it, which is just completely ridiculous that we – essentially hamstrung another program uh, with outright lies from reporters that of things that didn't actually ever happen. And so this whole thing is just dumb. And the NCAA is stupid. The FBI's why they even were, would have been involved in this in the first place is just dumb. Considering everything else we have going on in the world, let's make sure a college basketball coach didn't give five grand to a player because he wanted certain shoes. Like, yeah, I think we got other bigger problems going on in the world right now to figure out. So no, the whole thing is stupid. Bill Self, we always knew that this was, speaking of the Chiefs, we always knew that like this was going to be spun in their favor, right? We knew that nothing was ever going to come out of it specifically for Kansas. We knew that. And so my disappointment with it is Kansas always backed Bill Self and said, ain't shit going to happen to him, you know? Arizona didn't do that kind of the same they didn't take that same hard line with Sean Miller. If it they would have, imposed, I, right? Yeah. And I bet you that, well, they didn't even really need to dismiss him either. That was kind of to save face or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever face was where there wasn't even face to save at that point. So I wish that in hindsight, they would have just done that because it, it caused a whole bunch of, you know, rigmarole around the, around the, um, around the program that didn't even need to happen in the first place. So if you, I think in hindsight, if you look at, you know, your thoughts on Sean Miller aside, if you want, if your, your goal of your program should be to always support the head coach that's in place and Arizona didn't exactly do that the same way that Kansas did. And so then look at the out, the, the outcome for Kansas, Bill Stelf still there is still there. Won a national championship in that amount of time. You know, they, he's still going to be there forever. So, I guess it's a uh, it's a good lesson for other basketball programs that like if there's unless something is actually provable that's happened recruiting wise recruiting wise not Rick Pitino had other stuff going on that was maybe a little questionable. I still as didn't well. care about that though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just really saying. I'm just, no, I know. I'm just saying that like if you're a basketball program, the lesson is until your coach gets arrested. You back that guy pretty much until that happens, because there's going to be no way, no reason to oust them at that point. So I see what you're saying in a vacuum about backing your guy. But uh, in hindsight, I would not 
have changed anything. And the only reason is because Tommy Lloyd's awesome. And because we, but we wouldn't have been able to predict that. When this no, I, no, but, but that's the whole purpose of hindsight. We have it now. Like if Tommy Lloyd was not good. And if we, if Arizona had gotten a terrible coach and they didn't get a one, what were the, what seed were they last year? A two seed, right? They've been a yep. one and a two seed. And at the end of the day, we're still experiencing postseason uh, failures. So it's pretty much the same. Not much has really changed. All right. Uh, we're not worse. So in hindsight, no, I would not have changed much um, unless and, and also and Taylor, again, I get what you're saying for sure. But uh, it's easier to back a guy like Bill Self, who's a legendary Hall of Famer. Uh, and, I, and this is no disrespect to Sean Miller. He's not on Bill Self's level. So it's easier to back a guy like Bill Self. But as it pertains to backing your coach and letting going like not imposing self bans. Uh, yeah, that's probably like, I'd, I'd rather that for a lot of programs as well, but I also think it's funny. So you're disappointed. You've, you've mentioned some of the different emotions. I find laughter in this because I know so many people. Oh, I, and, I agree and, with you on that though as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you got guys like Pat 40 tweeting out that this was a, a nothing burger, you can't help but laugh because Pat Forty was one of the guys who seems like a hall monitor who's like, no, 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 you can't be doing this and you're ruining the sanctity of college basketball. And in the end, nothing happened again, like we all predicted. And so I think it's so funny when people are like, oh, these, these schools are going to get burned and they're going to get punished for what Bill Self and Kansas did. And they're doing it tongue in cheek. But I'm over here sitting down and being like, yeah, that's what happens, man. This is reality. This is life. The big guy, they get the protection. The little guy, the soldiers, you don't. I'm sorry. This is like this is life. There are a handful of college basketball fan bases that can see their coach, can see their program, and they can say, I'm Teflon. The rest of us, you cannot. That is the reality of the situation. And so when you try and convince yourself that Bill Self and Roy Williams or whomever is going to get in trouble, you're you're running a fool's errand and you're silly and you're foolish. And I will make fun of you and laugh at you when you sit there and cry and say, why won't they bring down one of the biggest entities in the sport? It's not reality, man. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have never set those expectations for yourself. Well, and for those, the Jay Billis's, Dick Vitale's, all those guys, all the college basketball media, they were so quick to vilify and say everything was going to go wrong. Andy Katz has predicted, Andy Katz has twice predicted that Arizona was going to have a 10 year long rebuilding span. And it took how many time, months combined? Four months, both times, to rebuild the entire program and turn them back into NCA powers again. It's just kind of funny that people, including media out there, think that, like, you know, I know that Kansas and Arizona are not on the same level. I understand that, but they're certainly. Arizona's ahead of 360 other college schools or programs where it's like, oh, this is going to set their program back for decades, decades, Th three months. Like you're still you're, you're trying to tell me that like, yeah, that all of a sudden like Chevy and Ford and all these teams are, are and all these brands are just going to fail overnight. No, that's not going to happen. OK, and same thing here uh, with this um, kind of similar situation. Even Louisville, they are going to be the they're the worst team in college basketball last year. Do you want to bet that they're going to be pretty good in two years? I bet you they are. I, I, no matter who's there, what's going on. Some of these brands are just big enough. They're too big to fail almost. Like, you know, this isn't SMU in the 80s. Oh, right. death penalty. Well, SMU has like had like 4,000 students at the time, right? You know, like there's some of these programs are just bigger than the entirety of college basketball. 
And you see that with conference realignment um, as well, you know, it was kind of a free agency of, of schools. And it's like, you had other conferences just pinpointing, okay, I want this school to come over. I want this school to come over. And those just happen to be in that circumstance, especially as it relates to the conference we're talking about now, they wanted the biggest, best basketball school they could find that was looking to move. And they got that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's laughable how all these pundits thought that this was going to end the college basketball world and yeah, life just moved on. It didn't even end. Yeah, like you said, all the coaches are just back at – Really good basketball schools anyway. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's so funny to me. And yeah, of course you got the the national media, the holier than thou folks, but then you also got the fan bases of small schools that are punching air. And I don't know, maybe it's because, like you said, Arizona's not on a Kansas, but we're certainly not on a mid-major level or a lot of relatively big schools and major conferences. Um you know, I, I understand that we're closer to the big dogs than we are the little guys. And so maybe I'm a bootlicker. I don't care. I think it's funny when the little guy gets this riled up and this is the the end result because you just, it's all about proper expectation setting Taylor. That's all I got to say. Well, and I'll, I'll get off it on this. And I know that this isn't supposed to be why everybody chooses the schools and stuff that they go to. Almost no one was forced to go to a singular school. Everybody had in some capacity was able to pick what school that they went to. So I, I don't I won't go hear, that far. I won't go but, that far. There's a lot of circumstances in which why people go to the schools they go to. Sure. But like going to like a Merrimack and then complaining that you didn't get like a big college basketball experience and like that you're, you know, you're not thought of as the same, you well, know, yeah, that's, ridiculous. that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like, okay, you had the opportunity. I'm from North Pole, Alaska. No, 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 okay? but see, and but I, see, I, go I and, and was able to find a school that I like. No, but see, that's not fair. That's not fair. There might be people that don't have that opportunity. I'm just saying if, if you didn't sure. have the opportunity and you go to sure, Merrimack. Hold on. Let me, let me walk yeah. you back. Let me walk. People who actively had the decision actively. and chose to go. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I meant by saying that. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Obviously there's scholarships, monetary, what you know, family issues, all that type of stuff, right? But people who actively chose to go to a place and then complain that they didn't get something out of that place, that's your fault. That's not that's I not agree. the NCAA or Kansas's fault or whatever, you know? So I just have a little bit of a, 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 what, a stick in my craw about those type of people where it's like, okay, you chose to go to a school that had 3,000 people that was like a liberal arts school. I don't want to hear you complain that you don't get the same coverage uh, like a Kansas does. That's, an act, that's a choice you actively made. So why is that everybody else's fault? It's not. It's not, Taylor. Um, so, I, again, you know what? Kudos to Bill Self. Kudos to Kansas. I'm happy they're still standing. Let's move on now, though, to some of our predictions. TD, as always, uh, actually, before we get into the predictions, do you want to ask your questions? Yes. And, I mean, I think it's an obvious yes. Is there a, Nash, is there a Final Four uh, team from this conference? There is. So, I, so hang on. The, I mean, we, this is our fourth preview. I think I've said yes to every single conference. So does that mean I'm, I'm used I up? I think you said no. I thought you said, did you say no? I thought you said no from the SEC. I said no from the SEC. You said no from the SEC, but I said Tennessee can go to the final. Is it can go or will go? No, will go. Will go. Is there a final four team from this conference? All right. So I'm going to. Uh, uh, yeah. No. How about that? Wow. Wow. I mean, it's too unpredictable. I think Tennessee can go to the, will go to the final four. I think Purdue will go to the final four. That's, I think this is the, uh, the ACC given, always has someone. So no, I, th- I think just given the talent 
in this conference, arguably, I don't even, well, it wasn't even arguably, it was far and away the best basketball conference in America last year. Uh, yeah, but you don't even have to one? pick. You, well, I'm just saying you don't have to pick a single team even from this conference to to say yes. This would be, I think, the one you would say yes over any of the others just because there's a lot of opportunity in this. Yeah, conference. but we know that's not how the tournament works. There wasn't well, a big ball. I understand. So, yeah, that. I'm saying, I mean, there's, yeah, logic would dictate it, but it's the most logical goddamn craft shoot of all time. Did we get a big 12 team in the tournament in the final four last year? No. Yeah, no, I understand what you say. I'm just saying we're taking, we're taking the variable part of it out in this question of like, is, is there one of the four best teams in the country in this conference? It's real. It's really the, the question here. Then yes. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, right. And Tennessee is not one of those, is not one of the four best teams in the, in the, you know, really? at this point. top seven, top well, seven, know, top but, eight. But it's not the final seven. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Continue on. Let's get into it. It's up to you. Coach of the year. Who are you going with? Well, we already talked about him. So let's just keep going. Bill self. Um, and the reason why this year is, I think it's going to be a lot of, uh, a little more narrative driven this year than the, other than the fact that they're going to have a very good basketball team. One of the favorites to win the national championship as per usual, there's going to be a little bit of the discussion of, Oh, they had to kick a player off the team and they had to work Hunter Dickinson into the lineup. And I think there's just going to be a few narratives that the media is going to push in this scenario that, um, that's going to push Bill Self to uh, what I believe is his record seventh. I think it's seventh. So here's what's interesting, right? Why is there not voter fatigue for Bill Self? But like there is another. I like Bill Self, man. He's got the Southern Oklahoma draw, maybe Midwestern Oklahoma draw. He wins. I don't know. It's a good question. But there's not. You would think in a conference that the only one team ever wins, there would be voter fatigue for the coach of that team. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. It's a it's Isn't a very weird? good question. I, I gave you a reason why there's not fatigue for Tom Izzo, even though like he he's, he hasn't won since 2012. I I don't I can't really pinpoint it on on Bill Self. It is like, why would why would Bill Self have two more conference uh, coach of the year awards than like Coach K, who coached at Duke for 90 years? I don't think people hate Kansas. It's weird. People hate Duke. And I don't hate Kansas. People should hate Kansas like almost more because they they dominate yeah. their conference. If you, it's kind of like Wisconsin University of Wisconsin in a way where it's like if you go to KU, you're kind of considered to be like the better child of your family than like any of the other Midwesternish or Big Twelve schools that are around there. Having cousins who are having one of each, one went to K State, which I like more than than KU. Um, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, he's going to KU. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. It it, it should be a such more hateable school. I'm sure Big 12 people hate Kansas. Like, I understand that. Yeah. But it is weird. It is weird that, like, there isn't this Kansas fatigue like there is in other conferences for, for their head head guy. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to – maybe we'll know more next year when we are members uh, of a school yeah. that will be in this conference. But I, I, I dislike Kansas for a number of reasons. Um and we'll hopefully dislike them. We'll probably dislike them more starting next year. Um, but I just kind of think that's interesting where it's like, yeah, this school just beats you up every single year. But they're like, oh, yeah, you're still the best. <laughs> like, praise to you. I, I don't know. I don't I don't get it. Maybe because, I mean, Houston. It's an insane a, level of consistency. He, Houston's a newcomer-ish to the conference. Baylor up until recently, not recently, but up until Scott Drew got there, like, had players that 
murdered each other. So that wasn't like a school that you could root for in this conference. Uh, K-State's always been a good basketball school, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Iowa State is not exactly a brand. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, seems like uh, Iowa State's a, Iowa State's got a great fan base. I mean, I, so I see what you're but saying. But it's not a bigger brand than their than the than the other team. No, that's true. You know, so I don't know. I just I just think that's a funny talking point. Whereas we we've picked against other coaches be, just because of uh, voter fatigue. But in this conference, it doesn't seem to exist. Yeah. So I I will say, and I think it's worth acknowledging when I mentioned like I'm happy for Bill Self in Kansas. That was strictly as it relates to the FBI probe. Uh, I, and, and now if I intertwine it with how folks view them, I don't think they've made many fans recently, not because of the FBI probe again, but because of the Arterio Morris situation. And that is seriously a terrible, terrible situation. What's happening. And I do think Bill Self deserves some criticism and questioning as to why Arterio Morris was brought to campus. So I don't know if necessarily Kansas is winning over many more fans, additional fans here uh, this off season. So, uh, you know, Bill Self, how he's viewed amongst folks might, might take a bit of a nosedive, but we'll see. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Grant McCaslin here, Taylor. I am a huge Grant McCaslin guy. Texas tech is going to go back to the NCAA tournament as a low single digit seed, maybe a high double digit seed, that nine to 11 range. All right. One of your favorite guys, one of your favorite names, Pop Isaacs. He's going to be the man. Need him to facilitate a little bit more, I think. But I love what Grant McCaslin has as it relates to a roster here, for especially for his first year. Joe Toussaint, he adds a veteran presence, leadership. He's been around the block. I think he's been in Iowa. He's been in West Virginia. And now he comes here to uh, Lubbock and then Devin Cambridge. We know Devin Cambridge very well. Former ASU man also played at Auburn. He's a steady and consistent presence who can give you 10 and six and he's played at a high level, but let's go back to Grant McCaslin here. Uh, he built UNT. I'm going to look at what he's done previously. He, he built the mean green. He's been to the tournament. He's beaten Purdue. Uh, and so I, I think you, you look at it from a big game perspective. He's got that under his belt. Uh, additionally, Tyler Perry, who we're going to get to probably later in this episode, where did he come from? Everyone's talking about him at K-State. Developed under Grant McCaslin at North Texas. Magnificent player. And I'm sure even Perry would credit McCaslin uh, in helping with his development. Let's continue to take a look at last year. Uh, McCaslin in North Texas, they lose to FAU by a combined eight points in two meetings. The man can coach his ass off. He won the NIT. Grant McCaslin is an immediate, immediate impact guy. I look at him to have some sort of Jerome Tang type of first year, maybe not as good as Tang where they win a ton of games and go deep in the tournament, but resurrecting that Texas tech program after they were dormant for a year. Remember they were only a couple of years removed from playing a very good Duke team to the, to the wire. Uh, Paolo Bancaro led Duke team to the wire. I think the places are, are there, or the pieces are set. It's not the same team that took that Duke team to the wire, but they got good pieces in Isaacs, in Joe Toussaint, in Devin Cambridge. I truly think uh, Grant McCaslin is one of the best coaches 
that some folks may not have heard about. He was one of the best mid-major coaches for sure. Uh, and I think a potential X factor that he's going to have to get the best out of is Kerwin Walton. That's the name some people may have forgotten. It's his second year in Lubbock. He uh, was originally playing at UNC, but now he's at, he's at Texas Tech. I like the pieces that Grant McCaslin has. I think he's a severely underrated coach. And if he brings Tech back to the NCAA tournament, he's going to win coach of the year. And I expect that to happen. Well, and it's worthwhile pointing out that even if you finish eighth or ninth in this conference, that does potentially mean that you are a, a tournament team. How many tournament teams is this, did this conference have last year? Was, was it nine? Ten? Something like that. Man, yeah, it was an right. insane amount. Right. So um, that's an important – and a lot of people are picking Texas Tech like yourself to finish even in the top five in this conference. And so, um, you know, you talk about North Texas a lot, Sue. We've had a lot – we had a good time in Denton, Texas uh, last time we were there. Yes, we did. Um, I remember – most of it, uh, I would say. Shout out Denton Brewing as well. Uh, good spot there. Um, actually been to two high school graduations in North Texas basketball arena as well. That has nothing to do with the Big 12, but for some reason, we're just not going to talk about North Texas a lot on this program, so just needed to bring that up. Um, we're going to be talking about it even less with Grant gone. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, I do like that pick because the national uh, narrative is going to be like, oh my God, can you believe this guy rebuilt the Texas Tech program sans Chris Beard that was in the dumps? And it's a completely legitimate narrative. Um, you know, Chris Beard won the, the conference coach of the year, I think, God, I want to say he won it two or two or three times, two times. Yeah, he won it twice while he was there in back-to-back years. So to get a Texas Tech coach potentially three of five years, but not being the same Texas Tech coach is a pretty notable thing for the Texas Tech basketball program. But I'm I'm supportive of that because they are some of the other new coaches we've talked about in other conferences just simply haven't had the 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 firepower or the right situation uh, to be good enough to be considered for conference coach of the year. Grant McCaslin's uh, situation should uh, you know really be able to to get into that conference coach of the year discussion. Now there's only one other new coach in this conference, and that's because we are lacking huggy bear at West Virginia and um, boy talking, you know, they got some good transfers, but talk about a, a sticky situation uh, for really lack of lack of better term at all there for Josh Eilert, essentially a West Virginia lifer, lifer, lifert, lifer. Um, I like that. Yeah. Do, do you see, in, do you see any hope there for him? You know, not ne- not necessarily coach of the year, but just because he's the other new coach in the conference. I think there's hope. I think th- the, the team's going to rally around him and they're going to be in maybe a nice story for about a month or so. But I am a little shocked at looking at all of the research sites and the bracketologies and things of that nature. And folks are putting West Virginia as like a bubble team, maybe uh, the first four in and I'm or last four in, excuse me. And I'm over here still steadfast in what I thought we had said the last couple months, which is, I think West Virginia is going to be terrible. I think this is going to be a crash and burn situation. So I'm a little surprised with how many people have them as like a top seed in the NIT, barely missing out or barely missing out on the tournament. I'll tell you exactly why. I'll tell you exactly why. They got some notable. Yeah, they got some notable transfers. They did Jesse Edwards, and then is um, and then uh, is Raekwon Battle? Did he get his Raekwon Battles? I, I. I believe I'm not sure actually, but I believe right. he should be playing. Um, but if you look at Kirk Creesa, okay, you got a transfer starting point guard from a very high major 
school, a, a one and two seed the last two years when he was the starting point guard, right? On paper, oh on paper, it you are like, doing some gymnastics. No, I'm saying that that's why they're they're not going to be good because Kirk Creese oh, is the oh, starting point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm My saying God. on paper from people from people from West Virginia and East Coast, people are going to be like, well, yeah, Kirk Creese. He started on 31 basketball teams as their starting point guard. Like that's a pretty notable transfer. The people who watched and know Kirk Creese know that that's not where he's going to lead this team, in my opinion. So um, I actually feel, I don't want to say feel bad because I feel like um, Huggy Bear was going to be a good coach for Kurt, for Kirk Creesa. Um, I think Sean Miller was a good coach for Kirk Creesa. I don't think Tommy Lloyd was a good coach for Kirk Creesa because Tommy Lloyd kind of lets his players do what he, what they want to do a little more. And that's not a good thing <laughs> when, it, when it relates to Kirk Creesa. So I think his situation would have been much better if Huggy Bear was still there. Um, that's obviously a, a far gone conclusion at this point that that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think that's why they're maybe getting a little more national plays because on paper, it looks like they got some very good transfers. I'm not sure on the court, they got as good a transfers as it looks like. Yeah. I don't know if it'll mesh well, but I'm rooting for Eilert. He's stepping into a really difficult situation. So we'll see how he, how he does. So I'm going Grant McCaslin. You were going to go with old reliable there in bill self Taylor player of the year. Who's winning this out of the big 12. Well, I like what you said, and because I, I had the same thoughts about all the transfers in this conference. They, there weren't necessarily more transfers than any other conference, uh, like we talked about with the SEC, but the ones that they did get are the absolute heavy hitters of the conference. You're talking about the top five transfers in this conference could be like first-team All-American type of, type of players. Yes. Including Nash, yeah, including like National Player of the Year, like Hunter Dickinson, who I think is going to win the, the Conference Player of the Year here. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Kansas's issues and people that might have to step up a little more uh, with Artiro Morris not being there anymore. Um, maybe maybe a shot or two more for Hunter Dickinson. I can't. I don't know. But at this point, when you got a guy that's as good as Hunter Dickinson is, as old and experienced as Hunter Dickinson is, and now playing for maybe the best team in the country, that's a recipe for your conference player of the year. So I hate to not be going out on a limb with either of these two picks and won't be going out on a limb with my third pick for the for the conference champion either. It's just hard to bet against people who we've seen do it, and then you put a coach who's done it and a player who's done it together, and that's a perfect marriage in my estimation. So I'm going with Hunter Dickinson as the player of the year in the Big 12. Can't argue with that. I think of these picks, Taylor, coach of the year, player of the year, champ, uh, I am I am most conservative when it comes to the champ. Somewhere in the middle when it comes to player of the year and then coach of the year, I think I like to mix it up a little bit because we've looked at some of the previous winners and you kind of scratch your head saying to yourself, how does Coach K not have more? How does Tom Izzo's last coach of the year come back 11 years ago? But for this year's player of the year out of the Big 12, yeah, it's a transfer. You can go with Hunter Dickinson. Some folks might might go with Max Azemus. I'm going to go with Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, baby. Kansas State. Uh, I'm expecting 19 and five at him, 19, five and two, which is a stuffed stat line. He is taking over the Marquise Noel position for Jerome Tang and Jerome Tang places a heavy emphasis on using his guards, especially like he did last season. And I'm excited to see what Tyler Perry can bring to the table because when Noel got the ball, when he played with Keontae Johnson, it was electricity on the court. Everyone remembers 
those tournament games in MSG. And it's, it was the same thing that was happening all throughout the regular season. So I think Jerome Tang did a wonderful job of reloading, replenishing those two key figures in Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. And he replaces them now with a Tyler Perry and an Arthur Kaluma. That's essentially what I'm expecting uh, to happen. So don't adjust your TV sets. I think it's going to be a very similar style of play, just with two different folks. Uh, I expect Perry to play with a higher volume of possessions as well than he did last season. I was looking at some of the numbers. North Texas didn't have very many possessions, I don't think, compared to what we're going to see with uh, Kansas State in the Big 12. So more volume uh, of possessions means more shots for him, more attempts, and more opportunities to make a huge difference. So I'm very, very bullish on Tyler Perry. One thing that was a bit shocking, Taylor, I looked at, I think it was the coaches poll or preseason uh, first team for the Big 12. Tyler Perry, not on it whatsoever. And so maybe it didn't necessarily give me more reserve in this pick. But I'm wondering if people are somehow overlooking this because all I heard over the over the offseason was how great of a pickup it is. And it and, and it is a great pickup for Jerome Tang. But I'm looking at the first team all Americans, or excuse me, not all Americans, but the first team Big 12. And I don't see Tyler Perry's name. So I'm gonna skulking in the weeds here and saying Tyler Perry's gonna win back the Big 12 player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just what we talked about though. Like some of the literally there's like five <laughs> players who are all Americans that are transfers like, you know, Max uh, Amos there from from Texas, uh, LJ Cryer, who is another, yeah, another inter, interconference transfer. Um, I mean, LJ Cryer would probably be my second pick uh, behind Hunter Dickinson. That's just me. But that's not again. That's it's hard to go out on a limb with anything in this conference because. You just have so many good players. Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Waller or Walkers, Walter, excuse me, Jesse Edwards, even from West Virginia, just because he's a, a big name transfer and someone that, you know, a lot of the load is going to be on his shoulder. So, yeah, there's just a lot of options uh, to pick. So I don't think it's a, a slight, um, you know, towards him by any means. I think that there's just a lot of good options in this conference. Yeah, tons of them. Uh, are any of them going to contribute to a Big 12 champion? Who you got, Taylor? I mean, Kansas. <laughs> again, here we are again, yeah, beating this drum. Uh, Kansas has won, what is it, 30 of the Billion 40 total. <laughs> yeah, like, no other school has three conference titles since the Big 12 was formed. Like, come on. That's so, so insane. And only like four other schools have won it. So, um, obviously, this conference is awesome, though. So I'm not going to try and put down. The fact that Houston is extremely good. Baylor is very good. Texas is very good. All a ton of talent on all these teams. You know, like I said, Jacoby Walter is the freshman of the year in this conference. Uh, you know, potentially he's going to a, a Baylor school that, you know, is just there every year at this point. Um, but it's just hard to go against what we know. You know, Dwan Harris Jr., Nick, don't call me Justin Timberlake, uh, KJ Adams, Kevin McCullough Jr., I, uh, and of course, Hunter Dickinson, you know, that's the likely starting lineup there for, for Kansas and just a bunch of dudes, just a bunch of dogs there, you know, as some, as some people on social media would say, it's a cohesive unit, even with, that's the thing that's, that's even goes to prove my point anymore or even more as to why Kansas is going to win this conference, right? 
Arturo Morris, a potential starter on this team, right? No longer with the program. And everyone's like, well, okay. Well, <laughs> still the unanimous, unanimous pick to win the conference. So it goes to show you how deep they are. And like I said, when we were talking about the Arturo Morris situation about a month ago, yep. it doesn't it doesn't change my outlook for Kansas. And so I think Kansas is going to win this conference. It's going to be a 28 to 30 win team before we enter the tournament, just like it, they are every year. And Bill Self's just going to keep this train rolling. I'm not even sure. I mean, I don't even, I'm not sure we're going to get to a point even this year where in some years it's like, oh, Kansas and Baylor and Houston are all tied for the conference title lead. And then those other schools just fall off the wagon at the end. I just kind of don't see Kansas having a slump. I'm not saying these other teams won't also go like 15, have 15 wins in conference, something like that. I just don't see them cresting over Kansas at this point. So, I had mentioned with the Arterio Morris thing, I think I had mentioned that this could potentially affect their seed, but like I could see Kansas winning the big 12 regular season and then a Houston or shoot, even a Baylor uh, or a Texas or, you know, a lot of other schools. I could see them beating them in the big 12 tournament and then getting a higher seed than Kansas. That's very plausible, but for the sake of the regular season, yes, Taylor, I'm going Kansas. There's no, there's so many, there's a few variables when it comes to Kansas. Okay. You're contributing factors as to why I'm picking them. I've said, I think now for 10 years, I can't stand it when pundits and media members, when they're going through their predictions, they try and be zany and there's more teams in the big 12. So you're a little bit, you you have a bit more cushion to pick some of the other teams to win this conference, but 10, five years ago, there was no reason to ever pick against Kansas. And it's still kind of the same. Like I'll hear you out. If you want to pick Baylor, I'll hear you out. If you want to pick Houston, I'll hear you out. If you want to pick Texas, but I'm always going to go with Kansas pretty much year in and year out because they win the damn conference every single year. You talk about the, how good the big 12 has been who won last year. It was Kansas who wins when the, the big 12 stinks. It's Kansas who wins when the big 12 is mediocre. It's Kansas. It's always Kansas. The answer is always freaking Kansas. And so it, I, I did the same thing that I did with Purdue Taylor. And look, folks are saying it's one and two it's Kansas Purdue. One or two. Uh, you look at the roster that lost in the second round to Arkansas. They're all back, basically. Wando, who I love. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, obviously new. KJ Adams, McCuller, Timberlake. Don't sleep on Johnny Furphy. And then Parker Brown. They got uh, they got Christian Brown's younger brother, and all the Browns do is win. So I wouldn't be surprised if Parker Brown now contributes to or no, he's a senior. Yeah, I think he came over. I think he transferred, actually. So look, Kansas, I'm sure, will win a national title. The Nuggets will win another NBA title. The Browns will fill up their uh, their trophy case. But really, again, it's it's all about the Jayhawks when it comes down to the Big 12 title. There's, there's no point in picking anyone else because Kansas is always going to prove you wrong. And if they don't, then it's better to be surprised than it is to have egg on your face and you're sitting here saying, you know what, I'm going to be quirky and take Texas Tech to win the to win the Big 12. It's not going to happen. Put your money on Kansas. And by the way, I this is a Dewan Harris stan over here. All right, that's me. 
He is a foxhole guy. Last year, he was a foxhole guy with Marquise Noel and AJ Hogard. Hogard and and Wando are still there. I got to fill in that third spot. But Taylor, it's Kansas, man. So I used to be the guy that tried to do that. Um, when we had a previous radio show that we've talked about before, that I was the fill-in host 60% of the time. Um, the we, we would do these college basketball predictions and I would be like, no, this is the year. This is the year. And it never was the year. So, um, you know, I will, I will step back and say that they did not win two in a row when Baylor won two in a row a couple of years ago. And then um, Texas Tech won it. But that was, you know, like five years ago. But that was it. That's all. That's all we've seen in the last 25, 20-ish years. So, what, so what did I, Kansas? What did Kansas finish uh, those years? Second. Um, let me look. I have it pulled up right now. I think they finished second almost every time. Um, <laughs> oh no! Uh, Iowa State won it one year. Or was the second second place one year? So okay. it's probably it's probably your Kansas went and won the national championship or anything. Anyway, you know, I went to the final four anyway. So um, yeah, they don't get it one way; they'll get it another. So. Um, you know, not that we talk about conference tournaments very much on this program, but you know, they obviously also have the most conference tournament titles. Um, although their dominance in that event is, um, I guess you would say not quite as much because like Iowa state has actually won five tournament titles funny enough. And that's who's in second place, which you wouldn't predict them as being the team out of all this to have won the second most, uh, conference tournament titles, but um, yeah, I think that this is, you know, arguably they're arguably the best team in the country. So you can't really pick against them to win their own conference in my estimation. Yeah, I agree. All right, Taylor, let's move on to the impactful transfers. Uh, let's see. I'm sure we'll have some overlap, but I'm curious to know the differences here. And I'm sure like Hunter Dickinson is on that. So honestly, you can skip talking about Hunter Dickinson if you want to, but who's on your all transfer team? I mean, it's hard. We've already talked about most of these guys. So um, Hunter Dickinson is for sure one of the guys. Um, LJ Cryer, again, as we as we discussed, for sure one of the guys. Not And there's really not much to talk about with him because we've seen him uh, perform at a very high level over and over again. Um, Jesse Edwards, who transferred from Syracuse to West Virginia, as I, as I mentioned before, he's going to have a big man in the middle. He's going to have a lot um, – uh, of rebounds to get from Kerr Creasa missed three pointers. So he's going to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a pretty big impact for him there in West Virginia. Oh, um, Max Abmus there from Oral Roberts uh, to Texas. Texas is going to be very good again this year. And a very, Texas is, you know, think about this again. We've, we've made Chris Beard references on this program, but uh, it's very impressive that Texas has, is as stable as they are just given what, uh, what happened to them last year. It's quite the rear view mirror moment. And that wasn't even a year ago now uh, that that happened. So, so shout out to Texas for that. Um, Cause they're going to be very shout good. Out Rod Terry. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm excited to see maybe uh, just because of in the all name teams, uh, uh, some Jameer Nelson jr. You know, at TCU, um, that'll be a good one. So that's who I'm going to go with. I'll go with Cryer Dickinson Edwards and Jameer Nelson jr. Along with Max Amos. Now, of course you got Arthur Kaluma too. I feel like you're an Arthur Kaluma guy and I left him off because I thought maybe you were going to go in a, in a little different direction than I did, but, but that's who I'm rolling with here. No, I like that list. And Kaluma didn't make mine either. Maybe we're disrespecting Mr. Kaluma here because he was tremendous at Creighton. Awesome, awesome career. And he's going to contribute, like I had mentioned, alongside Tyler Perry. So my transfer team, Hunter Dickinson, we've talked about him ad nauseum, not only on this episode, but 
like the last two years, it seems like. You guys know about Hunter Dickinson. I talked about Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's also on this team. How can he not be if I have him winning Big 12 Player of the Year? Then I go to LJ Cryer. So there's some overlap. Again, I'm going to dive in a little bit to Cryer, though. He is a veteran who can score the ball, and it's an insanely tough backcourt between him and uh, Jamal Doan taking to the wood shed. Uh, it kind of reminds me, actually, of the backcourt we talked about last episode. Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard. So I love the combination of Shed and LJ Cryer. I don't think LJ Cryer has ever truly been the man. And I don't know if he will be at Houston this upcoming season, but he is very comfortable in that Robin role. He's had to play alongside Keontae George last year. He had to play alongside Macy Oteague, Jared Butler, and Davion Mitchell and route to a national title. So I think he's going to be a wonderful compliment to shed and he gets to play for Kelvin Sampson who has, has been able to say that they've gotten to play for Kelvin Sampson and Scott drew two of maybe the top three, top five coaches in the entire country. He's going to be great. And he's going to have an awesome college career when he looks back on it. Max Azimus. Yes. Pure bucket. Him and Tyrese Hunter could be the most exciting backcourt in America because they are going to put up shots. People forget Texas probably should have gone to the final four. They just got cold. I don't expect that to happen. Maybe it'll happen again, unfortunately, in the NCAA tournament, uh, because who knows what the hell happens. But having Max Azemus is having a pure scorer that can go get you a bucket. And I'm happy for Azemus because people, he's like Bigfoot almost. People have heard these fairy tales. And even though they saw it against Ohio State a couple of years ago, people don't understand the prowess, the scoring prowess this young man has because he was buried uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, playing for Oral Roberts. Having that scoring option is going to be fun. He has the tournament experience. And like I said, Texas, he probably should have gone to the Final Four last year. They're very close. Uh, and here's a name, Taylor, to round it out, that we have not mentioned quite often at all. Ray J. Dennis. Ray J. Dennis is going to be Baylor's best player in my eyes, either him or Jalen Bridges. He's insanely efficient and wildly productive. 24 and six in the Mac uh, for Toledo. So I expect that to decline just a little bit, but he's a grown man. Now he started college in 2019 pre pandemic. He's going to be able to get around some of these younger guys. I love Ray J Dennis and the pickup there for Scott drew. The question is what can he give to the bears uh, on the defensive end? Cause Baylor was appallingly bad on defense last year. It was their downfall, really. So I love Ray J. Dennis, but that's going to round out my transfer team. I'm going to go Hunter Dickinson, Tyler Perry, LJ Cryer, Max Azemus, and Ray J. Dennis there. Boy, my uh, you can tell where my head's at right now with my name pronunciations uh, throughout this episode today. So. Still preseason. I know I'm still trying to round into form myself, so I, pr- I appreciate your uh, your corrections there. Hey, let's keep you sharp here. I know you're sick. I want to get you out of here, get you some soup. And also we got to watch Braves fills. So can we kill it out on uh, some big 12 trivia, my friend? Yes. Are you giving it to me or am I giving it to you here? I was prepared to give it to you, but okay, if you let's... have some. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm okay. ready. All right. Because again, I, I don't want to put too much on your plate here. Not that no, you I'm aren't, not... aren't willing to take it. I'm happy with it. Which four freshmen have won Big 12 Player of the Year? Four. Wow. Um, Cade Cunningham. That's correct. Um, I think you got the most... Oh, no, you didn't get the most difficult one. The third most difficult one. Kevin Durant. That's two. 
Um, hmm. The other two are easier than that. Um, uh, one is easier. This the the remaining one. I, I misspoke. Cade was probably the second toughest one. Okay. You got the easiest, which I KD. I think there's another pretty easy one. Um, uh, but I'm also looking at the answer, so he's probably not a Kansas guy because they no. just don't seem to, to be the yeah. Just yeah. If you said he was a Kansas guy to his face, he'd be very. Oh, upset be easy. Be easy. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I mean, he led this nation in scoring that year, I believe, twenty-eight Stud. something points a game, I think. And then um, now this one's tough. So I know that Oklahoma State has the second most Conference Player of the Year award winners. Wow! Because I, I was looking up, that was going to be my question to you: was which school has the second most? And so. Um, let's go with a guy who got in a very controversial fight with a, a guy on the front row. And that's your former boy. Still my boy. Still, still your boy, Marcus Smart. He, maybe he is my former boy. Cause after watching Porzingis, these couple preseason games, who boy, but man, Taylor, well done. Knocked it out of the park. Katie, Michael Beasley, Marcus Smart and Cade Cunningham. Very well done. All, my friend. I mean, Pretty good NBA players, all things considered, really. I mean, B bounced around. Depoy. Cade's yeah. coming. I mean, Cade's, yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna be a he's gonna be an NBA lifer. You know, he's not a butt, he's not gonna be a bust in my estimation. No. So yeah. Uh, Gotta be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Be easy probably should have been bad. better. Right? Yeah. He probably should have been a little better than uh especially because he was uh, one of my guys there in, in Miami right. there. So Guy, guy, guy doesn't love defense or sobriety. Let's put it that way. Hey, <laughs> so, man, Michael Beasley was was bad. And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm not talking about liquids. I'm not talking about oh, liquids. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, some plants you light on fire. Is what I mean yeah. by that. So I ain't, I ain't gonna fight him for that. Uh, he had yeah. a nice career, but yeah, those that's a that's a wrecking crew right there. Those yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Let's number, move on to this two. next one. What original member of the Big Twelve has yet to produce a Big Twelve Player of the Year? Original member. Um, what original member is yet to produce a Big Twelve Player of the Year? Well, it's obviously not Oklahoma State, Texas. Uh, <laughs> it's of course not Texas. Yeah, it's just. It's, um, I don't think it's Iowa State because I think like Melvin Ejim won it. I think uh, back in the day. I think. Also, I don't even know if they're an original member, but I would. I'm not sure, like they, they could, think, but it's not Iowa State, correct? TCU is not an original member, or I would, you know. So, um, what school? What what would be left at this point? Um, this was kind of shocking to me. Process of elimination, and I haven't even kept track of who I've eliminated. Um, <laughs> West West Virginia, maybe? No, remember West Virginia was in the Big East. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 True. Shit. Um, hmm. I'm not sure on this one. This is a little surprising to me. It's the Baylor bears. Oh yeah. Uh, geez. Yeah. I've completely whiffed on remembering them. Um, but that's okay because despite 
all of the struggles that Scott Drew and Baylor has had in the tournament, obviously prior to the national t- title team, uh, he's had some really good players. Torian Prince, you think of Davion Mitchell, like uh, Quincy AC, man, like I, these had some really good players. Uh, who, who's the who's the small point guard? Pierre. Oh, my God, this is going to kill me. Uh, oh, my God, this is going to kill me. I got, Go they, ahead. You have a thought. I didn't, they have, didn't they have a Tweety? Uh, Tweety Carter. Carter. Yeah. Also a small guard. Um, Maybe that's yeah, what I was no. Pierre Jackson. I was thinking yeah. of Pierre Jackson. I mean, it actually kind of doesn't surprise me because if you, if you list all of those guys that we just listed, they're kind of all – well, maybe Davion Mitchell – higher ceiling than those get those guys but they're all Baylor's strength has always been that they have a lot of the same guys on the team right they've got a lot of like NFL players you could pretty much make an NFL roster out of like Baylor's I mean, usual they, roster Rico Rico gathers literally was at the NFL yeah and even Fendi Onabun transferred to Baylor and Good before course. he went to, yeah before he became a tight end um, so did you know that, uh, Antonio Gates played basketball or played, uh, wow. <laughs> played basketball before he played football? Yeah. Imagine Tony, if, if Tony yeah, imagine if he did. Yeah. yeah. You know that Desmond Ritter has never lost a home game. Okay. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> I guess it, wait, yeah, wait, hang on. Desmond Ritter. Yeah. That was the narrative Yeah, you haven't heard that a thousand times this year. Uh, in oh, the NFL. Cincinnati? He's like, not worth even, my time. even in high school, I guess he's never lost a home uh, game or something like that. So anyway, um, yeah. it actually doesn't surprise me because all those guys, they've had a lot of guys who are always like the third or fourth best player in the conference, but then they've got like five of those guys all at the same time. So, um, up Isaiah until Austin? Reese, Damn. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was nasty in college and like, I don't he think he awesome. had, I, what was it? Marf Marfan syndrome. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I don't um, think he had that. Or maybe he had to. Uh, maybe I think he, he did the, have it. In, I think he end. did have it in college. Yeah. yeah, but they've never had the the peak guy, the Kevin Durant, the Michael Beasley, the you know, uh, and and some of those teams. I mean, they've usually been pretty good, but then some of the times that they've had those good guys, they weren't quite as maybe as good as as they should have been. And then previous to you know previous to Scott Drew, obviously you would have had nobody that yeah 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 went, that would have been an option. So um, Yo, and it doesn't who, surprise me that much. Taylor, who is the freak athlete? that they had uh, in like the 2010s, maybe when we were in college. The seven foot oh, one guy? No, no, guy. no, no. He was like a small forward. Um, I wanted the Celtics to draft him so bad. And I think they ended up drafting Marshawn Brooks. Who was this? I think he ended up going second round. He was just an awesome athlete. Oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. No, 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 this is going to kill. Is something Perry? Yeah, that's exactly who I'm thinking of, too. It is uh, Perry Jones. Yeah, Perry he, what? Jones. No, I think he was huge. Was he not? Yeah, he was He was seven feet tall. Perry Jones was seven feet tall? 6'11", six, six, yeah. Why did I think of him as like a small four? No, he was nasty. I wanted him because um, he was uh, an extremely high recruit. He's like the seventh Yes. High recruit in the country. And I wanted him. I was way more into recruiting when we were in college than I am now. And that was a guy really wanted Arizona to get was, was him. Cause he was just like a, he was like a mad and creative player, uh, you know, just from yeah. his size and, and athletic, uh, prowess. So yeah, that's, that is the guy who I was thinking of. I thought okay. he was maybe a little, that's on me. That, that's on me. That's on me. Uh, no, but he wasn't a center. You're thinking like, he, he wasn't okay. A center, so he wasn't a center. Like when, I, when you said like seven foot, well, I guess Baylor, maybe. Yeah, like, no, we're kind of talking about the same. Austin. 
we're, we're talking yeah. around the same circle. Like he was a freak because he was so big and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's weird. That's going down uh Baylor's memory lane. And then here's my last one. I don't necessarily expect that is, a, I, that is a lot of good players though for no players. That's players. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. For a charter member team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my last one, Taylor. I don't necessarily expect you to get it. It's almost like a free form essay. So I'll like, based on your response, I'll see if you got the right parts in, but why did Fred Hoiberg receive the nickname the mayor as an Iowa State player? I feel like I I, I know this story. This is like a chat GPT, uh, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, prompt, excuse me. Prompt. Um, I don't even remember. So uh, let me know if you want me to, when you want yeah, me to. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I... Uh, I might be too too dayquilled out here today to to remember the the full the full autobiography of of Fred Hoiberg here. So that's right, that's right. Uh, I feel bad for you, man. You're powering through. But Hoiberg was so popular during his stint with the Cyclones that he received a good number of write-in votes in the mayoral uh, election for Ames uh, in '93. The former Iowa Mr. Basketball in high school and ten-year NBA vet is. Uh, uh, or he was, you know, the the Cyclones head coach, also head coach of the Bulls. But it's not so that so much that he was just popular and, you know, make my own rules, bitch, call me the mayor. No, it was he legitimately got write in votes uh, for mayor. So Fred Hoiberg, another little nugget. He signed the back of my eighth grade class schedule when I went to see the Celtics versus the Timberwolves. That's a true story. I think I knew that. Now, Fred Hoiberg is one of those guys that sneaky, awesome basketball career that like a lot of people won't talk about in 20 years. I mean, yeah. multiple time NBA coach, you know, yeah. for, not that he had like, wait, uh, where uh, else did, like, was he an NBA coach? The Timberwolves oh, and the Bulls, right. the Pacers, the, I know Bulls, the Bulls and the Timberwolves. Oh no, Pacers excuse me. That was too? a player. That was a player. That was a player. Okay. My bad, my bad, my bad. It was only the Bulls. It was only the Bulls. That's what, okay. But, that's yeah, what I but point, point being the fact that he played for three different NBA teams yes. for 10 years, like coached his, you know, his alma mater, uh, has coached at two decently large basketball programs or schools in Iowa state in, in Nebraska. Not that anyone's going to write home about, uh, Nebraska basketball, but kind of like a sneaky, awesome basketball career where oh, he yeah. has seen the sport from every level, but nobody in 20 years, nobody's going to be like, Oh yeah. Fred Hoiberg, like legend, you know, but for like a, I don't want to call him a regular dude cause he was an NBA player, but from a dude, for a dude from Iowa, like a pretty awesome basketball career at every level of the game. Definitely. Look, I got a special place in my heart for Fred Hoiberg. He signed young Supermanians, like I said, eighth grade schedule, and he's going to be a great player to use an immaculate grid and any crossover grid that we do for, for basketball, him and like Tom Gugliata. I love those Timberwolves teams. I really did. Taylor, uh, did you have any questions for me or should we get on out of here? No, let's just roll, man. I think, uh, I think we've done <laughs> enough trivia for this one. That was the big 12. We are going to continue the previews, uh, pick it up next week. TD, I really do appreciate you gotten this out with me. Let's go watch some baseball. All right. There you go. Sounds good, my friend. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.